Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for these gifts that we received, and we pray that they'd be used um, to help people in our community. And we pray, Lord, that as we gather together um, as part of a global church on this evening, that we are part of celebrating your birth, that you're finally keeping all of your promises so many, a couple thousand years ago, um, but we celebrate that even to this day, that you never stop keeping your promises. Help us, Lord, to know that. We love you. Amen. So tonight, because uh, we want to celebrate Christ, we want to talk about the risen king at Easter, we have to get there first through his birth. And so we, there's often this push and pull of Christmas and Easter and like what is the sermon going to be about or what are we going to talk about. So we want to talk about the Christ candle. And I didn't grow up in a, in a family that went to, oh, that's the end. You shouldn't see that. Once again, my phone fails me. Um, we want to talk about the, the candle that we light tonight through Advent is the candle of Christ. And for the last several weeks, we have walked through the Advent season talking about the different names of Jesus. We've talked about him being the Lord of Lords. We've talked to him about, about him being um, the great high priest. Today, we talked about him being the good shepherd. And so then tonight, we want to focus on his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so on Christmas Eve, we always celebrate the birth of this babe, the birth of this this God in flesh who's come to save us. And I know people come at this, this conversation or this journey of faith in different places. And I want to start off by sharing a quote with you from uh, a pastor from England. And he said, if I can find it, I cut it out and put it in here, that you have two choices in believing in miracles on Christmas Eve. Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating tonight, the virgin birth of our King. Materialists or atheists or evolutionary biologists, materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. And so you have a choice tonight to choose which miracle you're going to put your faith and trust in. You have a choice. Do I believe in the miracle of it all just exploding one day? Or do I choose to believe in the miracle of the virgin birth of our Savior and our King? And I hope that tonight we can walk through a couple passages and a couple truths, and they'll help you land in a better place of understanding Jesus as the Messiah. So the first thing I wanted to do was to kind of show you something uh, that I hope will get at what we're trying to get at, which is that Jesus loves us in an unconditional way. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. This graphic was put together by an artist, and he was trying to put a play on words that conditional love is crushing of love, but real love would cast out fear. And so I, I appreciated the graphic. I thought it was kind of a cool artistic representation of trying to make this happen. And when you first read it, you're like, well, they, they kind of smushed the fonts together. What's wrong with that editor? That's, that guy needs to be fired, probably. But it's really a play on what I think some of us come at God with. We believe that he has this conditional love for us. That if we measure up, we find perfection, we work really hard, we do all the right things, we follow the right rules, then he will love us. But really, that condition of love that is really oppressive, it's crushing of our souls. The whole Old Testament kind of tells us of this story of God needing us to be made perfect through a series of rituals, and, and it, was, it was supposed to put in us an angst. It was supposed to put in the people of, of his creation into a place of, this isn't working. I can't do this. I can't make this happen. I'm not going to reach perfection. I can't. And it brings us to a longing for a time. We don't have to try anymore. 
And that's the Advent season. That's the season of waiting for Christ, of waiting for the Messiah, from the removal of Adam and Eve from the garden until the birth of Jesus. What we celebrate at Christmas isn't just this miracle of the virgin birth. It's the removal of conditional love. You don't have to measure up. You just submit yourself. You humble yourself. You say, I can't do this. And that's hard. Humility is not easy. But we humble ourselves before a holy God and say, man, I want that unconditional love to cast out all of the fear. And what are we afraid of then? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8. Why would we, why would we ever have that kind of fear? And so I think we can find in a couple truths a little help in this. This is really tiny and you can't read it. That's on purpose. I am not that dense. Um, this is over, these are pictures, over 100 references of the prophecies and the fulfillment of Christ fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. Over 300 prophecies lead to Jesus being the Messiah. And we can have a whole class on that, and it's very theological nerdy if that's where you want to land. But there's an there's a object truth that all the promises we know about God in flesh, the Messiah, Jesus, are all fleshed out. And I'm not a mathematician, but it's more likely you would get hit by lightning three or four times in your life than for the Old Testament to be wrong and its, its fulfillment of the prophecies that we see in Jesus. And so we see this connection of the whole Bible pointing to us to his birth, his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so if you need that, if you need like the facts, you can find them. They're there. If that's how your heart and mind are wired, that you need proof in the miracle you're choosing tonight of Jesus over the miracle of just materialism, then we can get those for you. There's plenty of books. Just don't Google it because then that's terrible. Like find some trusted sources. Come find me. I got books on my shelves. But if you need that, then we can find that for you. But I think most of us really want to know at the heart level that Jesus is for us. That's what I hope to leave you with tonight. So we look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, um, many of us have read this before if you've been in church a little bit. The beginning of chapter 15 says, I am the true vine, the Father is the vine dresser. And it's a passage where Jesus starts to tell uh, that it's, it's imminently important for you to be connected to God. You've got to be connected to him. Just like fruit has to be connected to the tree for it to flourish and to be there. You've got to be connected to God. And if there's something that's isolated you or something that's pushed you away from that connection, that's why you would feel some angst or feel some, some uneasiness because you're disconnected from the truth. And Jesus tells us, starting in verse 12, this is my commandment. After he's told everybody, stay connected to the Father. Stay connected to him. I love you. Abide in my love. Stay connected. Stay connected in the community. Stay connected in your family. Stay connected to God. And he lays this out to his disciples. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that your love, so that you will love one another. He chooses us. 
right where we're at. He chooses us because he loves us. He chooses us because he wants us. He doesn't need us. He wants us. God in flesh, Jesus, stepped out of heaven to be born as a child. He could have been born as a fully adult male, walking around doing all the amazing things he did. But he chose to come as a child so that you and I could trust him. We could abide in him. We could believe when he says he feels our pain. He knows how we're struggling. He knows all these things. And he still loves us. He still loves us. He wants you and he wants me. And he says, you're not just my servants, you're my friends. In some family situations, you love people because you're born into the family, right? But don't we choose our friends? Don't we choose the ones we want to spend time with? Don't we choose the ones that we want to be near because we've, we're choosing them? We're not just born into it. We've got to deal with them at holidays. And some of you got drug here by some of them. You choose them. These are the people that you choose. So Jesus is telling us, hey, I'm choosing you. I don't have to do this. It's not because it's required. It's because I actually like you. I actually want to be with you. I choose you. That's a powerful truth that the creator of the universe has chosen us. We see in Romans 8, Paul telling us, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We're not just friends. He's adopted us into his family. And when Paul is writing this to the church in Rome, when you adopt a child into your family, there is zero distinctive difference between an adopted child and a child born into your family. There's zero difference. Just like today, there's zero difference. And so I'm trying to lay a foundation. He chooses you as his friend. And then Paul tells us, not only a friend, he adopts you as his kid. And for you parents in the room, would you do just about anything for your kids? Of course you would. Would you sacrifice? Would you lay it down? Would you fight off all the bears that exist? Or wolves, if we're talking about Colorado? Like, right? That's a nice little current event pun, especially for you hunters in the room. You would fight off anybody because of your kids. You're adopted into that family, chosen by God, not just because. He has to. So this uh, last, well, it was a week and a half ago, I came across a video, and it was, um, well, I'm just going to show it. We'll let it speak for itself.
I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> now, what if we approached Christmas season understanding we're adopted into the family of God? I don't know any of this story. I hope it's not something made up. I hope it's not that I didn't get duped by social media. Perhaps it is. But if we are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God, do we have a fraction of an understanding of the embrace that that little boy just felt? Heartbroken? Abused? A, lo a lost kid? Alone? Feeling like he doesn't fit in? Probably thankful this family took him in, but feeling tentative, not sure, doesn't have it all figured out, isn't really... And then as soon as he gets the news, we want to adopt you. We love you. He melts. I remember the time uh, when I was 17 when I felt that kind of love at an Easter service. Been through a lot as a teenage kid, chased a lot of things, down a lot of dark roads. Didn't really feel that unconditional love existed. And I felt the overwhelming power of Christ in that communion service at that church I was attending. Not because I had it all figured out, not because I was trying to fight science in my head, not because I had, you know, wasn't under terrible pressure to become a, it was because I felt this love that I couldn't explain other than it must be God. And on Christmas Eve, we celebrate that kind of love. He loves you right where you're at. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants to adopt you into his family. And he wants to call you his kid forever. Do you feel that kind of love? I pray you do. One last thing from Paul. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We are adopted children. If you've claimed him as your savior, you're part of the family. And nobody can take that from you. And once you grow into that truth, your identity becomes one that's more fulfilled slowly. That we are free. We're constantly being changed and renewed. We are in the grip of Christ we are forgiven sinners. We're no longer slaves to our sin. We are adopted kids. And so the great I am tells us that you are. And so my hope on Christmas Eve is that the brokenness, the loss, the pain that sometimes comes at this season because of what's happened in the last year can overwhelm us all. It can crush us all. But I will cling to the truth that I'm an adopted son of God and he will never let me go. And whatever storm comes my way or however much I fail him, he can never take that from me. That's the beauty of God with us, Emmanuel. He's with us. He's with you. He's with me. He's with us all. Will you accept that love? Will you turn to that love instead of turning away from it? And will you feel the freedom that comes from Christ and Christ alone? I hope you do. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time that we have. Um, I am often overwhelmed that you would love an idiot like me. I'm a mess in a million ways, and yet you still choose me. In all the ways that I faithfully serve you, there's also a lot of ways that I unfaithfully push you away. And I don't want to be like that. So I thank you for your spirit of grace that renews in me every day. And I thank you that you never let me go. I trust you with everything, with my whole heart. And I know you won't smash it. I know you love me like a son. And you want me in your family. And forever I will be worshiping you because of that. And Lord, I pray if anyone in this room is kind of feeling that tension and that anxiety of not knowing, I pray you'd melt it all away. That Christmas Eve might be the time when they let their guard down and they take that great hug of a dad. Help us celebrate the season with you at the center and help our identity be in you and you alone. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. During this last song, um, the tradition here at First Christian is to light candles. So I will light from the Christ candle and then I'll hit the front row and we'll turn the lights out and you will see the light of Christ in a very amazing metaphor light up this place. It's not just about the song, it's not just about the candles, but I hope it's about us collectively seeing that the light of Christ shines in each and every one of us. And when we leave this place, even though you blow out the candles and throw them in a basket, you'll be taking the light of Christ to the rest of your night, the rest of your week, and for the rest of your life. Let's sing.